It is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Ah, uh, yes. Welcome into the very first edition of Into the Fryer on hornfm.com. My name is Dylan Fry, and you hear me all the time on your horn airwaves, especially on Saturdays, being the producer for Big Ugly Outdoors, the 0900 show, Our Take, and the brand new show, Tailgate Country Texas. But one voice that you do not hear all the time on the horn is my co-host, Quentin Williams. How you doing, Quentin? I'm doing good, Dylan. It feels good. It feels good. I'm ready to kind of get this thing started, uh, let these people know who we are and what we're going to be bringing to them. You know, man, I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Uh, We've been throwing ideas back and forth to each other, and I'm ready to uh, bring this to the people. I agree, Dylan. I agree. Uh, I know there's a lot going on right now in the sports world, and uh, who better to bring it to you than uh, us two guys? It's actually a funny story. Most people probably don't know how me and you uh, met, Dylan. Yeah, so uh, I started working at Ticket City, what, like maybe two weeks before you? Like maybe, two, yeah, three weeks? Maybe about like a week or, yeah, probably two weeks. Yeah, so I started working at uh, Ticket City over off of Balcones Drive in December of 2016. About two weeks later, you came in and uh, your desk was right by mine. And yeah. I figured out that we kind of lived near each other and I was like, why not just start carpooling? And every single day when we started carpooling, we talked about sports. Yeah, every single just, day, uh, no matter what it was. And we both just always had a had a good opinion. It wasn't like, you know, those other guys you talk sports with and the guys at the bar and like, oh, this guy. No, we actually just kind of fed off each other really well and became good friends. And uh, I knew kind of knew what Dylan was into then. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years later, uh, we have an opportunity now to actually uh, do it seriously. And I think we're both pretty excited for it. When I figured out that I was going to be doing this show, I couldn't think of, you know, anybody else. That I wanted on this show, uh, you know, we, you're local, you you know this area, you know the town a lot better than I do. Me being from the DFW area, and I I just felt like you were perfect for it, man. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course, man. Well, let's go ahead and get right into it. As everybody knows, there's a situation going on in Columbus, Ohio, right now with one Urban Meyer, and we're not going to get too political on this show. We're not. I, I don't like politics. Sports, to me, needs to be separate from politics. If there is an issue where we 100% have to talk about this, yes, we're going to do it. But I feel like everybody on the Horn Airwaves have been talking about this, so I want to... From the political I, standpoint yeah, from, of it, yes. Yeah, from the political standpoint, I want to kind of take a step back, and I want to talk about the future of Ohio State. Urban Meyer very well could get fired. Potentially. It's uh, definitely something that's on the table. I think it's more of like a 50-50 chance. Uh, I think it could go either way, and it wouldn't surprise me either way. And one thing that has been thrown out ever since this rumor, not necessarily rumor, but the story but broke, ever since this story broke, that Tom Herman could be potentially interested in the Ohio State job. So I wanted to come in here, and I wanted to ask you especially, because you're a huge college football fan, if you're Tom Herman, which job is more attractive to you? The University of Texas or Ohio State? Tom Herman, of course, won a national championship in 2014 as the offensive coordinator of Ohio State. If I'm Tom Herman, I'm kind of feeling like I would kind of want to stay at Texas. At the same time, you know you have those ties to Ohio State and the great players and the great history that that school's had, especially recently. Um, but if I'm Tom Herman, 
right now with this Texas program, you've really got a chance to let people know that you are exactly what they want you to be. You are a team that can, you are a coach that can bring a team back and uh, get the right guys in there and bring winning back to a program that uh, would love to be considered in that national championship conversation again. If uh, if he goes back to Ohio State, he's got that history there, and he's got people that love him there. But right now he's got a special opportunity, I think, and I think he wants to take advantage of that. Yeah, I feel like Ohio State, I personally wouldn't want to go into that job. No. I mean, yes, he could go ahead and blame Right. Urban Meyer and the previous administration and everything's off of him, but he still has got to build that program back up to prominence. Right. I don't think that there's going to be any kind of, you know, NCAA discipline come down on Ohio State, you no. know, like in the past no. with like Penn State and, no. you know, situations like that. But Ohio State, they're definitely a bigger team than Texas. Yeah. Texas yeah. has yeah. the, they've got the boosters behind them more than Ohio State, but. If Ohio State came calling to Tom Herman, I I'd have a hard time turning it down. Not even gonna lie. Oh yeah, if you if you're Tom Herman, I mean, who who does want to turn down that job? But at the same time, let's consider the situation that uh he left from going from Houston to Texas, and this Texas program hasn't necessarily bounced back yet. Him going to Ohio State from Texas would kind of to some people, I think it would kind of feel like it was a given rather than something that was deserved, considering the level that Ohio State has been at in the last few years. And he was also a part of that level that they've been at in the last few years, but not as the head guy in charge. Yeah, I want to look at it kind of from a legacy standpoint. If you're from the state of Texas, you know that football is better when Texas is good. Exactly. Ohio State, yeah, they're going to be good. They're going to be good every single year. They always have a top five recruiting class, you know, top ten. So They're a factory. I, yeah, they are a factory, 100%. They're like, you know, Lake Travis University right down the road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Westlake University right down the road. You know, they're a factory. They're good every single year. And Texas has not been good since, what, 2012? Right Maybe about, a little about, bit. Yeah, right yeah, about. Right, right about there. So him building Texas back up to prominence Instead of keeping Ohio State at prominence, I feel like that would make his legacy bigger. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 100% have to agree with that. Also, we each brought in three coaches not named Tom Herman that we think could potentially replace Urban Meyer if he is out the door at Ohio State. And I'll let you go ahead and go first. There's a couple guys I actually think would uh, be able to pull off a pull off that job and uh, not only take it but uh, keep that program at the level that they've been at. Um, of course, one name that I'm going to throw out there is going to be Pete Carroll. Uh, we all know what Pete Carroll did um, in the college ranks. We've seen what he's been able to do in the NFL. He's a great coach to have on your sideline. Uh, another name that I'll throw out. Think about it with Pete Carroll, though. The Seahawks are down. The Seahawks are down. But is it? I don't know if that's necessarily because of Pete Carroll or if that's just necessary, if that's a uh, caveat of the ownership. Yeah, I think, the, uh, I think it's more a team building well. thing. I don't yeah. think the you know he has the the, he, he, he has lost a little bit of control of the team, but we do know what he is capable of. I also think a a good name that they uh, might consider is a uh, John Harbaugh, um, and maybe a guy like David Shaw as well from Stanford. I mean, he's been a uh, he's been good there year after year, coach of the year. Um, he's they're constantly putting out NFL talent. He brings in the right guys. He coaches his guys the right way. Same thing, same kind of thing with Ohio State. You know, they like good, high-character people. That's one of those guys that fits right in with that. 
So my three coaches, uh, I kind of went from most likely to least likely as opposed to, you know, people are talking about the first guy that I'm going to talk about, and they might not be talking about the third guy, and the third guy might be a little bit underrated in the eyes of, you know, the national media and just fans in general. So the first person I wanted to go with is, you know, a little near and dear to your heart, Youngstown, Ohio native Bob Stoops, and I'm sorry to out you, you are an Oklahoma Sooner fan. (laughs) I am, people, I am, I am. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, you... You've been a supporter of the Oklahoma Sooners ever since I've known you, and I you've told me a bunch of stories where you've been a Sooner a Sooner fan for life, pretty much. And yeah. I, I respect that. I really do. The second person, uh, it's not Tom Herman, but it's Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator. If Tom Herman does leave for Ohio State, or if Tom Herman does not leave for Ohio State, Todd Orlando is going to be in the conversation for one of the jobs for Ohio State or Texas. Yeah, he'll he'll definitely be in the conversation, getting that defense turned around. Um, it always helps when you've got some guys that end up making their way to that draft, and that, that always helps your case as a coach as well. Yeah, I think also Tom Herman, if he did not go to Ohio State and Todd Orlando was in the running, he'd put in a good word for him. I mean, I, I feel like they've definitely. got a very good a very good relationship, yeah, it seems certain, like, better certain. than the, the offensive coordinator, uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. It seems like uh, <laughs> Herman lets some kind of keep in control of that defense and doesn't try to step on his toes when it comes to that side of the ball. Um, and that's that's a good thing to have on the sideline. Not at all, man. Yeah, I think I think that they are uh, they're definitely returning to prominence. I, I really do like the where Texas is going. It's definitely an uptrend. But the last one I wanted to bring up, and I don't think anybody's talking about this. I don't. I'd put it at like a half a percent chance. This is a coach that I'm very high on. I'm high on Matt Rule from Baylor. I think that he's a very good coach, especially coming into the situation that he did. You yeah, know, he's coming he's into building this situation up very is well. not an easy situation. Yeah, uh, and he's got Charlie Brewer out of Lake Travis. I think that kid's going to be a very, very good quarterback in the NCAA. Yeah, he, he went into a difficult situation, uh, very similar to a la James Franklin, um, who's been able to get that Penn State program turned around. Um, so it'd be awesome. It's awesome that uh, Matt Rule's doing the same thing with Baylor. I'm also a Waco native myself. I was born in Waco, so it's I would love to see that program uh, maintain, you know, some consistency and some level of excellence, and try to get back to the winning side of things. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's definitely a coach that I think uh, could be in that conversation. Football is back, guys. Football is back. Last night was the Hall of Fame game in the NFL, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. I'm not used to being on a podcast very much anymore, <laughs> so got to kind of got to get my dates right, but. Uh, <laughs> Last night was the return of the NFL, if you really want to call it that, with the Hall of Fame game. Call it the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I, I just call it sitting on the couch with the brew, and uh, I'm always happy that there's football on TV. No matter what kind of football it is. Yeah, I, I'll take Canadian if I have to, but I, I want the real thing usually. <laughs> Johnny football. Yeah. <laughs> Those ratings are going to go through the roof for the oh, Canadian man. football. Oh, yeah. Johnny football uh, in the mix there. But uh, I wanted to talk about the Hall of Fame game a little bit. You know, Lamar Jackson, big-time rookie quarterback, the Ravens traded up to get. Initial thoughts from you from, from last night, what he brought to the table. So I, I did watch the Hall of Fame game. Um, I did see Lamar Jackson get in there on that uh, initial drive. Uh, he actually looked good. His legs looked really good. He looked healthy more than anything, um, which is what I think some people were, weren't sure about. Um, that's always good to see in a rookie. Um, he did control the ball he uh did not throw many interceptions he did have the one but on that very first drive 
Uh, he looked exactly like you would want a rookie to get in there and uh, look at quarterback, especially going through a training camp behind the starter. He got in there, moved the offense, moved the ball, uh, kept the ball in their possession and was able to get a touchdown out of that drive. Um, that's a perfect start to his young career, and I would like to see and uh, hope, there's the, hope that he is able to keep developing yeah, one that thing, same trajectory. One thing I want to see from him, at least in the next coming weeks before the, the start of the season, is get a little bit more confidence in the pocket. That's one thing that I feel like is going to be very crucial for him. Of course, he's, he's got the good legs. He looked very, very impressive when he ran the ball last night, in my opinion. Yeah, but you're right. He's going to have to be able to sit in that pocket and uh, pick defenses apart. And that'll come with time. It really will. And then uh, another rookie last night. We are Before we go into another rookie, I want to say that we are like draft and prospect gurus no matter what sport it is we love team building we love seeing these young players come up and transition into the nfl the mlb you know the nba we talk about this stuff all the time into the ncaa uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the recruiting classes we follow a lot of it that that we do so there was a, a rookie that p- did not play last night no, no fault of his own he got the star treatment wide receiver anthony miller from the bears well when you're talking about that wide receiver position you're usually talking about a a diva, so to say. Uh, we won't call him a diva just yet. You know, it could be something to where it's just the uh, first game. They don't want to give him anything too grueling on the body, make sure he stays healthy for the regular season. Because if you're the Bears, that's a big name that you guys just drafted. That's a big talent that you guys just drafted at that outside position. Uh, you got a young quarterback. You're going to want to make sure all his weapons are ready to go come day one. Hopefully it wasn't the star treatment. And uh, hopefully they're just, you know, trying to keep them healthy. Anthony Miller and uh, Roquan Smith were a big reason why I thought that the Chicago Bears had a top three draft class in, yeah, in this yeah, past draft. Sure. Uh, I, mean, I feel like Anthony Smith Miller is, is going to be a star. I, th- I really do think he's going to be one of the yeah. best receivers from this class. Uh, Roquan Smith is also an un- unbelievable athlete, unbelievable player. He's, a, he's still a, unsigned. Yeah, he's still unsigned, but still once he gets there, he's going to instantly bring that team uh exactly what they want on that defensive side of the ball. Who are some other rookies that you're looking forward to seeing this this preseason going into the regular season? This season, I'm actually looking forward to see a few rookies. Um, there's a division rival that has a great young kid in Derwin James. Uh, I won't talk you're about the— You're a Chiefs the, fan. Uh, Let's say that. You are yes, a Chiefs fan. Yes, I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and uh, the Chargers were able to draft Derwin James, and that kid, I think, is going to be a stud— um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does in the preseason, especially considering they uh, just lost the defensive back um, to an injury. So I think he's probably going to have to step up a little bit more. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. I think he's going to be a phenomenal uh, player. He's a great athlete. I was um, very upset when he was taken right yeah, before the Cowboys. Yeah, I was very yeah. upset. I wanted him in There's a, wearing a star on his 31 other teams that are going to be upset that they did not get Derwin James, I believe. I have no idea um, why he lasted that long. Yeah. I understand why he did, but at the same time, I think he's going to be, be a lot better than people think he is. Yeah, I mean, it, the draft, there's a lot of semantics now. They're saying, you know, they say you can't do this with this pick, and why would you do this with this pick? It just doesn't make sense. Um, they, a good football player is a good football yeah, player. Yeah, at we, the end of the yeah. day, we we all found that out with a uh, with when Tim Tebow beat the Steelers. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another rookie I'm kind of interested to see is going to be a uh, Ronald Jones with the Buccaneers. I think that kid is going to be uh, he very well could be the uh, next 
Alvin Kamara sort of say, uh, so to say. He was my second uh, favorite running back yeah, in, the, in this yeah, past class, yeah, for sure. He very well could be uh, you know, somebody to look out for if uh, you're a fantasy guy like like my guy Dylan over here. <laughs> um, another fantasy guy that you might want to look out for, take it back to the West Coast now. I'm going to give you a receiver that most people probably know aren't too familiar with, but uh, keep an eye out for Dante Pettis. Where'd he go again? He went to Washington. He okay. came from Washington. Now, he's got... Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. And, I mean, this kid did some things in college. He set records for kick returns. He receiving records at that school. He went slept on. Um, I'm telling you, if uh, he can stay healthy, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be finding a way to get him the ball because that kid's got some talent. Man, you got Flash Goodman on one side, Dante Pettis on the other. I, I remember watching him play. He, he's pretty electric on the field. He, yeah. He's very fun to watch. You could be right there, especially Jimmy Garoppolo, what he's done for Marquise Goodwin's career so far in his short time in San Francisco. Uh, I'll give you a couple rookies that I'm looking forward to. I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. I think the Cowboys had a very good draft last year. They had year. a great draft. They had a great draft, yeah. actually. I want to see their first uh, their first four picks. I think Dorrance Armstrong was their fourth-round pick, if, I, if I'm if i not mis- mistaken. But Leighton Vanderesh, I think, is going to be a very good player. Uh, I hope he stays healthy and fits right in with the linebacker group, especially with Jalen Smith coming along. Uh, he, he seems healthy, 100% healthy in camp. Oh, yeah. That, and, and that seems that like he's back has, to normal. Yeah. He has elite athleticism. He has elite athleticism for a linebacker. He's long. He's rangy. Uh, he's fast. Um, he gets his nose to the ball. He is a. He's going to be a great pick for the Cowboys, I think, in uh, many years to come. Also, Texas Longhorn, Connor Williams, Michael Gallup, who I think is very underrated in this receivers oh, yeah. class. He's sure he's just a pure that, uh, receiver. He's an athletic freak. Sure enough, that offensive line is going to be great for Z, great for Dak. Uh, the Cowboys are going to love that pick in Connor Williams. I, I agree with that pick very much. So Dak's also going to love Michael Gallup, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Dorrance Armstrong, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, they're probably going to not necessarily hold him back his rookie year, but I feel like he's going to have to make a small transition into the NFL. But starting next year, I think he could be one of the better defensive linemen that they have on their team. But uh, I'll get away from the Cowboys. Anthony Miller that we just talked about, I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. DJ Moore for the Carolina Panthers, I think he's going to fit right in in that offense. But one that I don't think people are giving too much credit, on Johnson. Carryon back Johnson's for the Detroit Lions. I think he's going to be the Kareem Hunt from yeah, he, this he's year. Yeah, he's a great running back, really hard to bring down. Uh, super, super, super strong legs, low center of gravity. Um, a, not an easy tackle on the open field. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He went slept on a little bit coming out of the SEC, and I think that's just because the SEC is always Bama-focused. So when, when you're talking about anything coming out of SEC, it's going to be Bama. Unfortunately for him, he happened to play in the same conference as Bama. If he's in any other conference in the in the country, he's probably coming out as one of the top backs. Over the next few weeks, we're going to go division by division and talk about all the rookies we're going to go through, and we're going to talk about who we think is going to be a surprise in this division, who we think is going to win the division. So that'll be fun over the next coming weeks. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk MLB trade deadline. Y'all know how much I love trade deadline. You're listening to Into the Fryer on hornfm.com. Welcome back to Into the Fryer on HornFM.com. I am Dylan Fry, joined by my co-host, Quentin Williams, and we're going to talk something that's near and dear to my heart. If you've been listening to the Horn Airwaves the past few weeks, you've been hearing me talk about the trade deadline like crazy. We're going to talk about 
the Rangers, the Astros. We're going to talk about overall trade deadline, but I want to start with some winners and losers. I'm going to start with the contenders, and uh, you know I love prospects, so I'm also going to talk about the prospects that the teams that are lower down in the standings got that will help them in the coming years. So I'm going to start with the Yankees. I think that they made the Yankees made a lot of moves to close the gap between them and the Red Sox, and I think that they do have a chance to win the AL East. They didn't give up top prospects for the players that they got. I think the best move that they made was Zach Britton. They gave up Dylan Tate and two other pitching prospects. Uh, Very good pitching prospects, nonetheless, but not some of their top guys in their system. They've got a very, very deep farm system. They got Jay Happ and Lance Lynn. Uh, I think that that strengthens their rotation that's kind of been down this year. Adding to that, rotation is definitely going to be the best move for the Yankees right now. Uh, That's the thing that I look at the most as being the most crucial factor for that trade deadline that we're speaking about. The Yankees are kind of setting themselves up to make a big run. And, uh, you know, for all the Yankees fans, of course, they hope that they find themselves back in that uh, World Series conversation. Yeah, getting Zach Britton's huge for them, especially if they do not catch the Red Sox in the AL East. They're going to be in the wild card game. Yeah, yeah. And you need all of the bullpen matchups that you can get. Yeah, exactly. It gives uh, Aaron Boone a lot of uh, different possibilities that he can have in that game, whether they're playing Oakland, whether they're playing Seattle, or if another team sneaks up. I don't uh, think that's going to happen. Oakland is on fire right now. You don't want to be playing them uh, without those guys healthy, and that's definitely something that the Yankees need. I mean, if the Yankees get to the wild card game, it would be a huge disappointment if they lose that one-game playoff. And uh, that'll be a total total failure of this season. I really do think the Yankees have a chance to make the World Series. And I, yeah. I think that they are, in my mind at least, I know in the national media, they're not going to be the favorite. But no. they're my pick right now. I really do think that the Yankees, with the lineup that they have when Aaron Judge comes back, if he can get back to what he is, I think that if Gary Sanchez can continue to contribute and get back to where he needs to be, Giancarlo Stanton, he's going to hit the ball out of the Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah. As well as their bullpen is already lights out, adding Zach Britton to that and their rotation, you know, adding Jay Happ and uh, uh, Lance Lynn to Luis Severino, you know, Tanaka and uh, Sonny Gray, who they actually just moved to the bullpen. So maybe he can help him out of the bullpen as well. Sonny Gray might be better in the bullpen, actually. He very well could be. Uh, I feel like he's been uh, thinking too much since he got to New York last season. Who's one of your winners for the trade deadline? Uh, The biggest winner, of course, uh, I think is going to be, to me, is going to be the Dodgers. I mean, what the Dodgers have been able to consistently do during this time of year over the last two years is just insane. Uh, You think about what they already had being in the World Series last year and then adding a Machado, uh, being able to add in a a Axford, a a Dozier. That's that's, that's insane. You get more All-Stars on top of the All-Stars you already have. It's like the rich get richer. And if we're talking about L.A., then that just seems like that's usually the thing that happens there. If you would have told me before the trade deadline or before the Machado move went down that the Dodgers were going to get him, I would have been very reluctant to believe you. Told like, you you were even, crazy. Even if you would have had a book from the future. You when know, go back slide. to the future, yeah. you know. I I just didn't think he fit the team. I thought that the Brewers or the Phillies or someone like that was going to swoop in and get Machado. And uh, the Dodgers, the reason I thought that he did not make sense was they don't really have a spot for him next year. They could move Justin Turner to second base and he could play third base. But Machado has expressed interest in playing shortstop. I wasn't happy about the move at first. The only way that the Dodgers in the long run become winners at this trade deadline is if 
they win a World Series. Yeah. Because that's what you bring, you're bringing yeah. Machado in that, for. That's exactly it. And that's the same thing that you saw that the Astros did with Verlander last year. You know, that they're bringing in a guy because they, they see that they have the opportunity right now, and they got to strike while the iron's hot. Um, that's essentially what the Astros tried to and magnificently pulled off last year. Uh, hopefully, the Dodgers are thinking that they'll be able to do the same thing this year. Uh, landing Manny Machado is going to be a, a great step towards that goal. I mean, he's, of course, the best in baseball on any given day of the week, um, just like Mike Trout, just like Mookie Betts. Uh, when you're talking about those type of guys, I mean, they, those are game changers. I liked what the Rays did at the trade deadline. They were one of my winners of the teams that are a little bit lower down. When they traded Chris Archer and I saw the return that they got for Chris Archer, I was absolutely mind-blown. Tyler Glass now has an electric arm. He has one of the best arms in the minor league system, former top pitching prospect in baseball, arguably. They got him back as well as Austin Meadows, who's about 22-23 years old, I want to say. He is 100% a top prospect in baseball. He's going to fit in very well with the Rays. You know how they are with prospects. They build them up, and they're already getting him over here when he's already a good player. The Rays are, are really interesting. Another team that's really interesting to me personally is the Diamondbacks right now. They're uh, half a game out of that wild card spot. Um, they're bringing in a lot of help to try to make that final push. They get uh, somebody from the Rangers that you probably adore, uh, Deacon. They get a Brad Ziegler. They get an Escobar. I mean, uh, they're they're trying to make that push, and I think they brought in enough help to be able to make that wild card spot. Of course, that's where they were last year, so I don't know that they'll be able to surpass that but obviously they're trying to make that run and I think uh, they brought in the right amount of help in the right places eight teams within five games as of today August 3rd is when we're recording this podcast eight teams within five games of the National League wildcard there's a lot of teams still in the mix like you said the Diamondbacks are half a game out behind Atlanta for that second wildcard spot and uh, one more winner of the trade deadline for me. It was a little bit before the trade deadline when the Padres traded Brad Hand and got the top catching prospect in baseball. The rich get richer when it comes to prospects for the San Diego Padres. I want to say that they've got like nine, nine or ten of the top 100 prospects in baseball. The future's looking up there, San Diego Padres fans. It's looking up. Nine out of the top 100, that sounds like a Alabama recruiting class. That it does. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and give my losers of the trade deadline uh, first off, I thought that the Red Sox really didn't do too much. I'm a huge Ian Kinsler fan, being a Ranger fan myself. Ian Kinsler was my favorite player for a very long time throughout the, the big run that the Rangers had from 2010 to 2013. I didn't think that they did enough to increase the gap. They are the best team in baseball with a record today of 76-34, and 34, and that's way above the Houston Astros right now. But... They didn't make enough moves. They got Nathan Avaldi. They got Ian Kinsler. But the other teams in the American League did a lot better at the trade deadline for themselves. Another loser, I'm going to talk about the Washington Nationals. I thought that they needed to trade Bryce Harper. Yeah, uh, not not getting rid of Bryce Harper in a year where you know he's just going to walk. Um, chances are he's probably going to, to the West Coast. We know that's where he's from. Um, I think if you were Washington, it was not a good move to not get something back in return for that. Um, Bryce Harper is a mega star of the game. Uh, he would have been able to 
bring in the, the house, the the land, the car, anything that you wanted to get back for Bryce Harper, you would have been likely able to. Um, it just kind of doesn't make sense that they did not make that move. Um, of course, it, that means that the Nationals are betting on themselves. They have that right to do that as well. I could argue that they're a better team without Bryce Harper. They very well could yeah. be. Probably the Machado deal would be the standard. They're both superstars, young superstars that are going to be free agents at the end of the year. And the Nationals already have a stacked outfield with Juan Soto, who's a 19-year-old that's coming up in the MLB. That kid is amazing. Exactly. He's slowly becoming one of the best players in baseball. It's crazy. That kid is amazing. Yeah. They've also got Adam Eaton, who plays a hell of a center field defensively. And then they've got a prospect by the name of Victor Robles, who people have been high on for three, four years now. He's going to come up into the MLB, and he's been blocked by Bryce Harper. So if you could have traded Bryce Harper, got like five prospects back like they got from Machado, that would have made them one of the winners of the trade deadline for me. And I know that uh, you think the Phillies made some pretty good moves, and I agree with you there. Uh, They traded for Esdrubal Cabrera and Wilson Ramos. But the thing that makes the Phillies a loser of the trade deadline for me is I feel like they had bigger aspirations. They probably won't make the playoffs, I think. I I think that they could lose their division lead and not get a wild card berth with all the teams that are still in the race. Another team that I'm going to throw in that that same category right there with you, Dylan, is going to be the uh, Cubs. Uh, Maybe about a little bit before the All-Star break, I had the Cubs pick to come out of the NL. Uh, They were looking good. They were on fire. Um, They do bring in Cole Hamels, um, but I just don't necessarily know if that's going to be enough, especially as as good as the Dodgers are looking now. Um, You got other teams in the NL trying to make that push. A few games ago, I would have thought that the Cubs would have been the team coming out of the NL this year uh, to represent the National League in the World Series. At this point, I'm not so sure. Uh, I like the Cubs. I'm an Astros fan, but I like the Cubs as well. I kind of still wish they would have done more. Uh, I don't think they helped themselves out in the in the right way. I think that what they're looking for for Cole Hamels, their rotation's been struggling for the past month yeah. or so. Yeah. I think they're trying to get Cole Hamels to bring sort of a stability yeah, to I mean, their rotation. Essentially, they're trying to stop the bleeding right now. Yeah, and as of right now, they really didn't give up very much for Cole Hamels, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. I think Cole Hamels is going to thrive in Chicago. I think that uh, they could end up being, like you said, the NL representative in the World Series. That would not surprise me at all. Right now they're 63 and 46. They're 5 and 5 in their last 10, but uh they they should get back on track. If they can get you Darvish going, if they can get uh Kyle Hendricks going back to what he should be, you know, he's a good sinker ball pitcher and he can contribute to a team that's yeah, trying Bias to Yeah, Bias is having get his best Series. year, of course. I mean, uh it's the Cubs, they, they have a lot of positives going, but I, I wish they would have done a little bit more. If they were the team that was able to land Machado, that would have been amazing. Uh, that would have been crazy. Uh, imagine what that would have <laughs> done to, you know I mean, to, to that fan base. You talk about lighting a fire on top of an already crazy group of people. Wow. I want to talk about your Astros a little bit. They ended up trading for Roberto Ozuna. Roberto Ozuna, of course, is suspended in the MLB right now. He's currently pitching on a rehab assignment, but he's serving a suspension under the MLB PA Joint Domestic Violence Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Policy. He's also facing domestic assault charges in Canada for alleged crimes against his girlfriend. And I don't really want to talk about that, but what I did want to talk about is uh, whether the Astros made the right deal here because he very likely 
could end up getting another suspension, or yeah. he could he could get yeah. jail time here. It, exactly, it's almost like the uh, like the Ray Rice situation where it's a. Uh, you know, he's already served his suspension. Given that this case is not going to trial yet, we don't know what's going to happen in the court of law. Um, say there is another development that, you know, does warrant another suspension. Now you're looking at, you know, having brought this guy in and not being able to not only use him for this season, uh, but we also don't know how it's going to affect him in the next season. Um, so you might have, it, it might turn out to be a good move if, all the right things that look seemingly impossible fall into place right now. Um, But if that doesn't happen, and chances are that's not going to happen, I'm not really sure what the Astros' plan is uh, with with making a move like that. Well, let me say, he is 100% one of the best closers in baseball by far. I think that uh, he could bring something very needed to the Astros. They they have Hector... uh, Rodon or Rondon, however, however you say his uh, name. Rendon, but there, Rendon, yeah. there, there are just so many dominoes that have to fall in the right way for for this to be a, a positive outcome for a the Astros and and b the player himself as well. Um, just the trade alone is bringing him so much negative backlash on a situation that was, you know, already something that he was wanting to move past. Of course, yeah, and I'm sure when he comes back, he's going to have to go through a transition. I'm sure he hasn't been pitching in competitive situations in the past, you know, six months or, you know, four or five months since his suspension started, 75 games or so. It's actually about two or three months now that I think about it. I mean, I I do like the Astros. Uh, You know, it's not all bad. I do like the Astros uh, bringing in another catcher. Brian McCann's on the DL right now, so bringing in another catcher helps that situation. Max Stassi is playing pretty good baseball right now. He's hitting the ball. He's doing his thing. Like you said earlier, I don't think they did enough to move the needle as far as being able to be that team that's going to be in the AL at the end of the year uh, in that World Series game and trying to repeat, if you will. Yeah, the good part about it, Roberto Ozuna, if for some reason he does not come back this year, we know the Astros are going to be good the next few years. Uh, He is not a free agent until 2021 at the earliest, and if he continues to serve a suspension under this new policy, he is not going to accrue service time to where he can become a free agent. So that's one thing that the Astros have going in their favor, but they they definitely were bashed when they uh, first made this deal. But I want to go ahead and move to uh, Arlington here and a team that's uh, near and dear to my heart. They're uh, not doing too great right now. The Texas Rangers made a lot of moves. Like we talked about earlier, they did give up Cole Hamels, and I'm not really going to grade the trade deadline for the Rangers just yet just because they have three players in the deals that they made that have not been named yet. They're players to be named later. Those names should be coming out within the next few weeks. We'll talk about who they got for Cole Hamels. The Rangers ended up getting a major leaguer, Eddie Butler, who started out in the Colorado system. Uh, He hasn't pitched very well in the major leagues. He's been like a long reliever, spot starter in the past few years. Maybe the Rangers can get something out of him. Uh, He was kind of the secondary piece. But they got right-handed pitching prospect Raleigh Lacey. He didn't rank among the top 30 prospects in the thin Chicago system, so that's a little concerning to me. But at the same time, he's pitched two identical 2.45 ERAs in both 2017 and 2018. He's got some good stuff behind him, 10.5 K9 uh, in a total of 80 and two-thirds innings this year. Hopefully he can bring something to the Rangers. He's kind of in low A. Uh, low A, high A area. So maybe within the next few years, you know, he was drafted in 2017. So he should move up in the system within the next few years. They also ended up trading Keone Kella. I was very upset by the return that they got on paper. 
but one of them has not been named yet. They did yeah, get a very I, I good pitching prospect. I know you weren't prospect. too excited about that move. I, I did see you posting about that the other day. There's a lot to be determined about the Rangers, especially when you're talking about a team that's uh, in, in the midst of trying to tank out a season. Uh, there's really nothing that they can't let go, uh, unfortunately, for a lot of the Rangers fans. Don't get me wrong. I think that the guy that that has been named in the Kella deal so far is a very good prospect, Taylor Hearn. I think he's going to be, if not a you know number three starter in the MLB, I think he's going to be a very, very solid reliever. I think he could be a setup guy or a closer, perhaps. You know, He's got a very good arm coming from the left side. He reminds me a lot of, not necessarily stuff-wise, but with his stats in the minor leagues. He reminds me a lot of Josh Hader from the Brewers. I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but... But if we're talking about trying to get that number one pick, uh, I mean, is is there and and you're trying to trying to be as 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 bad as you can while still being somewhat respectable. I mean, when you're when you're trying to to get that first overall pick, that guy that you've been banking on, is there really anything that's that's not available to be you know to to give up when you're trying to trying to make that move? No, there's really not. I don't think that I mean, there's. If you're a GM, is there anything that you're not giving up? If if you're already if you're already tanking and you're already not making the playoffs, you're already twenty games back. Is is there anything that you're not willing to trade at that point? If you're the GM there, if it would bring solid solid prospects back, I'd trade just about anybody on the team. Uh, I can't be a homer. I love Joey Gallo. Rubnet Odor is playing very well this year. Uh, maybe he could bring something in the offseason if they decide that that's where they want to go, but I think they're going to be a little too stubborn. Jurickson's having an amazing season. Yeah, Jurickson's having a very good season. He won't be a free agent until 2021. Uh, they didn't trade Beltre, but uh, Beltre kind of controlled that situation. He did have a no-trade clause, and out of respect for Beltre, people were calling them about Beltre. Of course. And they they didn't bring him you know, a trade per se, but they did tell him, hey, you know, teams are calling about you. How are you feeling about it? Do you want us to pursue it? And he said, no, you know, I'm good. You know, if you guys get a trade that you think is is good for both sides, I'm okay with it. But, you know, I want to play for you guys. I want to play for you in 2019 as well. So that's great. I think that that says a lot of things about the Rangers organization. The thing that concerns me going forward, the Rangers obviously need bodies in their starting rotation. Uh, but that's going to come within the next few years. I think they're going to spend a lot of money this offseason on starting pitching. Uh, they just signed Chris Tillman uh, to be a body and to audition him for the next year. As well as Chris Martin too, right? Uh, Chris Martin they actually brought back from the disabled list. Okay. Uh, they signed him out of Japan this past offseason. He's a reliever. He's uh, he's very good. I like the dude that they just brought up from, uh, I think it was either AA or AAA though, Jeffrey Springs. If you have not seen this kid's change up, go to my Twitter and try and find what I tweeted the other day with a with a video of his changeup, it's nasty. So uh, I think that the Rangers have a lot of reliever prospects coming up within the next few years that are going to make, and they have a solid bullpen, which is why I was okay with them trading Keone Kella. But what actually concerned me about trading Keone Kella is, yes, they did get this Taylor Hearn kid who is going to be very good. I think, like I said, I think he's going to be a closer or a setup guy or a number three starter. But what concerned me about it is... Controllable relievers in the MLB is something that is a hot commodity. And with 
the way that the market was for relievers this trade deadline is everybody was trying to sell off their relievers. Why yeah. not why not hold off to the offseason? I feel like that could have brought more and more people would have been calling about Keone Kella because people would have been like, Oh, we're gonna be contenders next year. Even the teams that are out of it this year that should have been in it, teams would have came calling. I just wish they would have waited if this is the return. I, like I said, I haven't seen the next guy that's going to be the player to be named later, and that could completely change my mind. The Pirates have a pretty decent system. Uh, Braxton Ashcraft is someone that comes to mind for me. I mean, do you think that's that's one of those situations where it's like we rather get rid of him now while he still has his current value as opposed to, per se, maybe at the end of the season he starts to tell off a little bit just kind of like the the Astros, uh, do you think it's a situation like that? Do you think it's a Ken Giles situation where it's like, all right, we've had Ken Giles been traded at this time last year, the value on him is skyrocketed through the roof. Yeah, Would have been right. through the roof, as opposed to seeing him struggle through the playoffs, struggle through the beginning of this season. Uh, do you think that's a a factor for why the Rangers might have decided to get rid of him right now? as opposed to two waiting. I think that that is definitely a factor. You know, he could have got injured. He could have tailed off at the end of the season. But I think another factor in moving him now was because of the relievers that they have in their AAA and AA system. They don't have a lot of great prospects in AA and AAA. But when you look at the bullpens in AA and AAA, they've got some very good players that are coming up. You know, this Jeffrey Springs kid that we just talked about, Brady Feigl coming up, uh, two left-handers that are really, really good. I mean, they've they've got Jose LeClerc in their major league bullpen right now, who is possibly my favorite Rangers reliever. I feel like the bullpen in the next few years is going to be really, really good for the Rangers. Man, Quentin, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this episode. Oh, Dylan, it was a great first episode. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's a great opportunity. I'm excited about it, and I can't wait to bring you guys more in the weeks to come. I'm looking forward to it, man. Covering the hottest sports opinions in Texas and the world, this has been Into the Fryer. <laughs>